Tom Kisslingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Matt Price and Ryan McDowell. It's the post-NFL draft review show, I guess, fellas. We're going to talk all about the NFL draft. I know the three of us we're all glued to our TVs for the first time in months because it's really the only live content we've, we've had as sports fans, as football fans, and it was pretty good. There's a lot of uh, a lot of intrigue for sure, although there wasn't all the moving and shaking that some of the experts talked about. Not, not all the trades we were kind of expecting or hoping for as draft fans and football fans, fantasy fans, and, and more than anything else, dynasty fantasy football owners. So, Matt, Ryan, we all watched. Ryan, what were your takeaways from the draft? Uh, well, it was it was a ton of fun, first of all. It, it was great, as you said, just to just to have a little bit of a distraction, uh, and, and specifically a football-related distraction. I know there was a lot of criticism and concern as to whether they should even hold the draft, and I, I think at this point we're all certainly glad that they went through with it. Um, one thing that stood out to me beyond the picks and, and players and some of the team fits, we'll, we'll get into all of that soon, but just, just the general feedback for the process of the virtual draft. And it seemed like everybody from fans to, uh, to those that were actually involved, coaches and general managers and, and, and NFL officials had glowing things to say. So I just wonder if next year and, and years beyond, if we'll see, Something more like what we saw this past weekend as far as draft coverage and, and just the actual uh, uh, process of the, of the draft. Ryan, you and I hung out for virtually, of course, for part of the draft coverage. And it seemed like, yeah, the, we hear from all the owners and all the GMs and the coaches and the player personnel department they're all pretty excited about it but we all saw the look on roger goodell's face it late in the second early in the third throughout the third round as he was announcing those picks he didn't seem thrilled in his easy chair to yeah, still was, be announcing names slinking back further and further in that chair so uh honestly as a packer fan especially it was my favorite part of the draft that 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 Raj just kept <laughs> Kept kept sliding backwards and looked a little more chill every time. Speaking of Packer fans, Matt, let's bring you into the conversation. Uh, it was a good draft as a dynasty owner, maybe not so much as a Packer fan. No, it was absolutely terrible. Let's go get all the positions that we don't need and let's let's make a draft of it. Let's get a quarterback that we may, maybe need a little bit 
but let's trade up to get him. Let's get another running back that we don't need. Let's get a tight end that we don't need. Let's not get any receivers to help out Rodgers or, or Jordan Love. You know, let's not do that. Let's just keep rolling with Devontae Adams and 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 MVS, you know, like that that's totally good enough. It worked last year. So no, I'm not I'm not bitter at all about this draft, Dan. <laughs> I think you hit your quota on amount of time that you you and I combined <laughs> can complain about the Packers. So we'll we'll just sidestep that and move on. Uh it's certainly a mess and we'll see what comes of it. Hopefully hopefully all of us Packer fans are wrong about everything and Gutekunst and that front office is right. Uh let's before we move on to the really what we need to talk about here we're going to go position by position talking about who was drafted our favorite picks some of the you know head scratchers the things that really stood out to us but before we do that we should talk about the DLF Champions League because it's been a big part of the quarantine fellas Ryan and I we've talked about it already we we took over a team. We we jumped in head first, and we had a lot of fun with ours. Ryan, ours wrapped up just recently. Uh, we made our final pick. Uh, Equinemius St. Brown turned out to be a pretty good one because they didn't add any, add any wide receiver depth, so maybe he turned something on, huh? Uh, it was a lot of fun, though, Ryan. Just Yeah, and I guess I was surprised. Not surprised. I knew I knew the roster limits going in, but... Those those leagues are deep. <laughs> there was there were some ugly picks. I mean, we saw we saw Andrew Luck, we saw Josh Gordon coming off the board. We saw a lot of rookies, including a few who did not even get drafted uh, in the NFL draft, were drafted in in our draft. So uh, yeah, certainly a lot of fun. I'm I think I'm gonna have to do another one, Dan. I don't know if you're up for it, but. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to jump right back in because it was too much fun. And, you know, you mentioned the players that that went that went in these drafts that weren't even drafted in the NFL draft. And then there were guys that a lot of us hadn't even heard of that 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 weren't drafts. So that drafted. So there's there's guys like Josiah DeGora that will suddenly find their way onto a 30 man roster that that weren't even touched in in our startup. Matt. You did one as well. Yours is wrapped up. You've had a lot of fun. I'm sure you'll be back just like Ryan and myself. Tell us a little bit about your DLF Champions League and that draft that happened over the last uh, 10 days or so. Yeah, it wrapped up, uh, I don't know, like maybe a week ago. And I have to tell you guys, though, my last pick was better than your last pick. My last pick. And Bosch made fun of me for the pick at the time, but we drafted Rod Gronkowski at pick 30.10. So it's pretty good. Pretty, 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 pretty oh. good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not Wait. too bad. You'd rather have Gronk than EQSB? <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> I know that. I know that's a little bit weird, but yeah, actually. 1.7 was it? No, it's two points per t- for a reception in this particular league. So yeah, for tight end. So it's really fun. Uh, like you guys know, I'm a typically an auction guy. I haven't done a startup draft in I don't even know how long, five, five or 10 years or so. Uh, but obviously I wanted to jump in this one and it was a lot of fun. It was fun being able to trade around in the drafts. Uh, you know, a lot, and a lot of these pub, more public leagues, they don't allow trading in drafts like that. So it was fun to see that be allowed. Uh, and that's one thing that drafting, I think, does has over auctions is the drafting and the startup draft auction. You know, it's a little bit harder in an auction format to, to trade around like that. In a draft, you can package up, package down, however you want to do it. So lots of fun. Looking forward to, uh, to year three, honestly, when we see who wins that $1,000 prize at the end of year three. Yeah, you mentioned it. There's any one of you out there listening 
jump in one of these leagues, you could be one of them that that claim this $1,000 prize. Not only are there yearly prizes, uh, monetary prizes, big prizes, but also after that 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 three years, there's that big uh, four-digit uh, four prize, $1,000 prize at the end, that championship cup. Uh, you can hoist that thing. Go to DynastyLeagueFootball.com slash SafeLeagues. Our guy Scott Fish is helping us out with all that. So a well-run league, one of the best commissioners out there is running this thing. And chance at big prizes. So, so claim your team today. Maybe you'll end up in a league with Ryan, Matt, uh, Bosch or myself. So so we're all in there. Lots of other DLF writers as well are claiming teams every single day. DynastyLeagueFootball.com slash safe leagues. Let's talk about the NFL draft, fellas. There there was just so much happening. Let's go position by position as we regularly do on the podcast. And we're going to start under center at quarterback. 13 players drafted at the quarterback position. Four in the first round. Only only one on day two, however. It was a, it was an intriguing pick for sure. Um, let's start with you, Matt. Tell me about the quarterback position. We play in a lot of super flex leagues. What's your takeaway overall? Is there a player you're excited about? What, what, what are you really thinking about at the quarterback position in your super flex leagues going into these drafts? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really only interested in those top three that we were talking about pre-draft. I, Tua is still my... So my quarterback won in this draft over Burrow that uh, landed in Miami like we mostly thought he was going to. For a while, we thought maybe he would slip to the Chargers, but that didn't happen. Obviously, some opportunity there. Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably going to you know lead off things unless Tua really just beats him out in camp. But that's okay. I think Tua will be fine. You know, taking over midseason or whatever it is. Once uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick has this this way of of playing really well for a stretch and then all of a sudden throwing five touchdowns in a game and getting replaced so uh, i can see that happening he maybe he waits till year two you know get 100 percent completely i think he's already healthy enough to to start at week one uh, based on some interviews with him and, and the medical checks but you know if he has to wait that's fine too uh, but later in the in the draft you know like i think I, once we got past uh, jalen hurts i don't there's not really anything really that interesting. I mean, I guess Jacob Eason a little bit since Philip Rivers is old, but you know, I wasn't that big of an Eason fan b- b- before that. If we want to talk like late, late round guys, uh, you know, not someone who was really on my radar before. But uh, I thought Cole McDonald from Hawaii, a little bit interesting at Tennessee if Ryan Tannehill doesn't work out. He's, he's definitely a developmental guy, but he's athletic. The 4.5840 he ran as a big arm. Uh, it looks like some questionable decision-making at times. Um, but that Hawaii connection again, Tennessee drafted another Hawaii quarterback from Hawaii. Uh, so that's interesting. Um, but that, that's really it for the, for the late round, guys. I don't think there's anything super interesting there for me. Yeah, it's difficult really to pinpoint. I know last year Gardner Minshew kind of came out of nowhere. Even those of us that really pride ourselves on watching all these prospects and checking out all the quarterbacks and super flex setups, even even we were a little bit surprised by what happened last year, Ryan, with Gardner Minshew. So same thing to you. What what are you looking at at the quarterback position? Is there is there a late round guy you're intrigued with in these super flex and two quarterback setups? Yeah, I thought the quarterback position was definitely an interesting one I, I feel like after day one we were kind of riding high especially if you are in a super flex league I think all three of those top guys uh, Burrow to uh, Herbert pretty much like Matt said pretty much landed where we thought they would I think all three are great spots from a, a fantasy perspective and then it, it got to day two 
a couple players we were excited about. Well, actually, end of day one, I, I should say, with, with Jordan Love. Um, but, but Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts as the, the four and five guys, and, and neither spot was great, certainly. So I think from a super flex standpoint, really hurts both of their values, especially in the short term. Uh, those, those are guys who potentially could have been late first rounders in a super flex rookie draft. And now you're probably looking at them as, as late second rounders and guys you have to hold on your roster for uh, maybe a couple of years before you really get anything. So uh, really, really a tough uh, deal for their value later in the draft. I'm, I am also kind of intrigued with Eason. Uh, of course, a big name uh, recruit years ago when he was entering college and uh, I think the opportunity is going to be there. So it sounds like most of his, uh, most of the concern or criticism with him was um, was not necessarily his play, but uh, a poor attitude or a poor work ethic. So uh, we'll we'll find out, and and the NFL will find out, the Colts will find out pretty quickly if that can be corrected. Uh, but if so, I. I you know he's he's on his way to uh, a potential starting spot in in 2021. So love him uh, probably in the third round of of super flex rookie drafts, and then deeper than that, you talk about Minshew. I would just go back to the same the same team. They uh, Jacksonville drafted Jake um, Luton Luton uh, in the sixth round, and just just due to the the opening that they have in Jacksonville with Nick Foles uh, being traded and uh, possible, I guess, possible concern or maybe lack of job security from Minshew, uh, he would be another one I would grab uh, deep, deep super flex leagues. Yeah, maybe in the fourth round, those kind of guys. Uh, the guy I was going to mention had we recorded on Saturday night was Tommy Stevens. But now on since we're recording on Sunday night, Seems like the Saints added a different backup quarterback. It doesn't even look like Tommy Stevens is in their in their plans. Head scratcher. Why'd they trade into the seventh <laughs> round to to add Toddy, Tommy Stevens if if they had other plans at the position or at least at the primary backup position? So we'll see what happens with that with the Saints. Couldn't agree with you guys more. Love and Jalen Hurts. Seems like you're gonna have to hold on to those guys. It's gonna be difficult to spend a high end pick on those guys even in in two quarterback leaves. Other than that, Burrow, Tua and Justin Herbert, they, they seem like they're locked in where we expected them. Let's move on to their backfield mates, the running backs back there. 16 drafted in the 2020 NFL draft. Maybe a surprise at the top for a lot of people. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, the only first-round pick, but then five more running backs go off in the second, three in the third round. Matt, what do you think of this running back position? Is there an ideal landing spot? Is there somebody you're especially excited about among these tailbacks? I'm excited about all of them, to be honest with you. And in a one quarterback draft, I'm having, or even in a super flex draft, I'm having really hard time putting any of the receivers above them. In a super flex, obviously, I think, you know, at least two of the quarterbacks, I think an argument can be made for all three going ahead, ahead of them. Uh, but I, I want them all. I like all of the landing spots. I think you could say some are better than others. Obviously, Clyde Edwards Hilaire lands in, you know, the, the choice spot. Some people are saying that, you know, what about Damian Williams? Uh, my answer is, what, what about Damian Williams? You know, I think this is the next Brian Westbrook. You know, I think he's been described as by Reed or someone in the chief staff, correct me if I'm 
I'm wrong, I've been described as better than Brian Westbrook. So, uh, you know, I think he's the next guy that we have to look at as the potential 1,000-yard rusher, 1,000-yard receiver in the NFL. We saw McCaffrey do it. I think he's in the same vein and maybe not quite just, you know, a hair smaller, maybe not quite as uh, elusive as McCaffrey, maybe not quite the receiver of McCaffrey, but he's right there. You know, he's 90% of, I think, of what he uh, McCaffrey can offer as a receiver. So uh, he's easily the 101 for me right now. And even if you go all the way down to my, to my fifth running back, which for me is kind of a, a flip-flop, honestly. Swift, I think, was my running back one or two most of the draft process, but he's my five now. Uh, but even that's not a bad spot. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago, I think, Dan, with on Johnson there. Swift is obviously, I think, all of us feel that he's a much better uh, runner than than uh, than carry on is but he's you know he's a young running back too I think he's going to be 22 maybe 23 entering the season in, in 2020 so I think he offers a little bit more obstacle than even somebody like Dobbins who is obviously going to be behind Ingram probably for for year one at least so uh, all five of these guys I'm excited about I I was I was kind of saying that you know pick your favorite player pre- flavor pre-draft that landing spots going to decide be the deciding factor for all these guys but they all ended up in good spots i think so again i think it's still really pick your favorite flavor here yeah you you said it they all i i can't really pick on any of these landing spots there there wasn't a really really bad landing spot among the 16 players that were drafted and and that's going all the way down to the sixth and seventh round where were guys like raymond cialis or or Cialis that's something different that's something different Cialis that is something different uh whoops uh tongue slip I guess uh (laughs) he lands with the Buccaneers as the second running back taken by Tampa Bay um but but not the worst landing spot and a guy who could carve out a role and and potentially even make an impact for dynasty owners my point is the list kind of goes on and on there there wasn't a horrible one I thought the one that intrigued me the most was when Antonio Gibson out of Memphis he got announced he was announced as a running back so so maybe that made me think twice that you know all of us have thought is he a slot guy is he a receiver on the outside or is he that running back that that change of pace type of guy it seems like the Redskins probably think that that he's that guy in the backfield that can play on third downs and and move around the formation that makes him even more intriguing I think so there there's a lot of depth to this class there's a lot of guys that you're gonna like guys that'll last into the second and even third round of these rookie drafts guys that you want on your rosters Ryan what are your thoughts about this running back class as you saw these guys pop off the board uh sometimes in in bunches it seemed like especially on day two uh, when, when some of the guys that we're really excited about, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, even Cam Akers, and, and I guess you got to throw A.J. Dillon into that second-round group. There, there were a lot of names flying off, and, and none of them seemed like awful landing spots. you got to be excited about the upside of this running back. Yeah, very group. excited. It's funny. I, I, I think back to free agency period in March, and uh, entering that, uh, there were there were so many openings or, or potential openings for running backs, and we were really excited about this running back class. And then free agency seemed to close a lot of those. So I think there was um, actually uh, over that month or so between free agency and the draft, there was actually some concern: are are we going to get are we going to get running backs in these good landing spots? And uh, we got that, and and way more. Like you guys said, not just the the big five that we were focused on, all in uh, pretty ideal landing spots, but even the deeper guys, uh, 
the day three guys, Joshua Kelly with the Chargers, uh, LaMichael P. Ryan with the Jets, McFarland in Pittsburgh, DJ Dallas in Seattle. These are all, these are all guys that could, uh, see playing time in year one and, and maybe even, uh, maybe even some substantial playing time. Those guys are all going to be third or, or maybe even fourth rounders in rookie drafts. Uh, basically every running back that was drafted, I have some interest in, uh, in fantasy drafts. Yeah, and that's just not the case in in most years. We don't expect that from year year to year. Um, every name that went off, it it was like, oh, that's a guy to consider. That's something to think about, even into round seven. So, as as dynasty owners, when you're when you're ha- when you got these drafts happening and all the picks are flying, just keep an eye on those, those late round guys because there's some depth there, despite or or even with. All the all the top heavy talk and and all the excitement surrounding those top five and and maybe even a little deeper than that now that we've had the draft and we've we've learned these landing spots. Let's move on to the wide receiver position. And Ryan, I want to start with you here. Before we do that, Matt, you had something to add about the running backs. I just wanted to real quick apologize to everyone that I said buy Marlon Mack this offseason. I really didn't think that uh, they were going to take a running back. I honestly didn't. And then they went and traded up and got, uh, you know, most people's running back one, most people's 1.01 before uh, for the for the draft and probably still. Uh, so I apologize for that. I think Mack is he's, he's probably not going to be long for this world, at least as a cult. So apologize for, for, for all of those recommendations. And I followed that. I bought several shares this offseason as well. Ooh, at least you felt the pain of your own. <laughs> I, I definitely it's, did. It, it's it's certainly a conversation worth an, an entire pod. We'll have to get into it next week or or, or yeah. sometime soon. But um, it, it's just a reminder because Marlon Mack loses value and Carry On Johnson and Damian Williams and Daryl Henderson and Mark Ingram and none of those guys were viewed as elite running backs. It's it's just another reminder that if you're not one of the handful of elite running backs. Your job is in danger. Yeah, and especially if you're a little older, right, Ryan? If if you've been around for a few years, if and, and even in Carry on Johnson's case, he's he's not even that old. He's not even onto that second contract. These guys lose value really quickly in the NFL, especially for us as dynasty owners. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things I overlook with Mac. I know he was coming towards the end of the contract, but they were even as early as I think, or as recent as like last week, they were talking about filing extension with Mac. So uh, it's just tough when you have these guys that aren't at that elite level. You have to always expect that they're going to be replaced once they get to that year four mark, year three, year four mark. Right. Another name to add to that list, correct me, Hopefully I did, you didn't mention him, Ryan. Aaron Jones. Yeah. They, they took a second-round running back. Holy cow. It, there's not a second contract for Aaron Jones in Green Bay. We, we shouldn't expect that kind of production, at least in the green and gold going forward, beyond beyond his fourth and final season with, with the Packers. Uh, let's talk about the wide receiver position. Ryan, let's kick it off with you. Um, 37 wideouts selected in the draft, six in the first round, seven more in the second round. It was, it was exciting. There was a lot of talent here. Lots of guys. We were excited to see where they landed, uh, what kind of upside they might have, what quarterbacks and what offensive coordinators they landed with. Uh, again, like the, like the running back position, there aren't a whole lot of, lot of horrible landing spots among these guys we really cared about, Ryan. Who's the highlights for you? What are the guys that move up for you? And, and who are you really excited about moving into draft season Looking for at Dynasty? The, the top 10, top 12 wide receivers that were drafted, a couple do stand out. Uh, specifically, I would, I would start with Jalen Rager. Uh, he was a guy 
who I think there there was some doubt maybe if he would be that first round rookie or first round uh, NFL draft pick. We we knew Ruggs, Judy, Lamb, those guys would be. We even knew. Uh, seemed to be pretty confident that Justin Jefferson would be a first rounder, but Rager, uh, there was some doubt and uh, he ends up as the fourth guy off the board. And I think goes to the best landing spot. When you look at uh, Las Vegas, Denver, Dallas, Philly, and Minnesota, I think Philly is the best combination of opportunity and quarterback. Uh, Jalen Rager could be, even though the, the Eagles end up adding, I think four or five wide receivers counting, the trade they made, um, even with that factored in, I think he could could be the top target there, at least the top wide receiver target, uh, along with uh, along with Zach Ertz at tight end, really from from day one. So I think he's he's the one that really solidified his his spot. Glad to see that because I was worried he could be the one to to lose that value to go from a first round rookie pick to maybe a mid second if there were if there was day two draft capital or a poor landing spot, but that is not the case. Uh, he's, he's closer to wide receiver one than he is uh, a second round rookie pick. And Michael Pittman, the other one that stands out, we, we kind of saw this coming. There had been some talk about him uh, gaining some, some dynasty value moving up when we did our mocks just last month, he was a third rounder, I believe an early third rounder. And, and now again, early second rounder, or, or maybe even, close to a late first rounder in, in rookie mocks with that draft capital second pick on day two and a nice landing spot with the Colts. Yeah. Lots of guys to consider for sure. Matt, I'm sure there's some guys that stuck out to you guys that you're intrigued with as well. Talk about the wide receiver position. Yeah. Ryan kind of hit my two main guys that I was going to talk about Rager. He was my four entering the draft and he's my one now. I mean, I, I think like Brian said, it's the best combination of quarterback and landing spot. I think uh, I love CD lamb. I love Jerry Judy, but those places are quite a bit more crowded. I would argue than Philadelphia. So Rager has moved up to one for me. Uh, and then I, I, I'm, I'm really afraid of, I think, I think I, I thought that rugs was probably going to be, you know, the first receiver taken. I thought he was probably going to go to the Raiders, but I, I still, he's, he's still like five or six for me maybe lower than that and I feel like he's going to be the one that I'm going to miss out on if he hits uh so and then the other one that uh I'll bring up here uh that is interesting just because of who drafted him the Steelers took Chase Claypool I mean they drafted him as a wide receiver right so presumably he's going to play wide receiver I wasn't really super interested in him as a wide receiver uh prior to him being taken by the Steelers but now you know they have a history they have this history of taking all these guys that that seem to you know pretty much work out for the most part so I'm, I'm very interested in him now he's probably going to be I think I would guess pushed up into the late second round uh, 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 you know conservatively maybe higher than that at some point this offseason um, so he's somebody that's very interesting and then uh, Devin Duvernay a guy that I like quite a bit ends up on Baltimore on a team that doesn't really have a clear wide receiver one we can say it's Marquise Brown I like Marquise Brown a lot I like Miles Boykin uh, but Duvernay comes in now obviously with less dra- less draft capital than than Marquise Brown but it seems like it's a wide open spot uh, where he might be able to make some noise uh, on the outside there. Yeah, there's so many, it, it really goes deep and, and we keep talking about these guys or we can keep talking about these guys. There, there's some, there were some head scratchers. There were some interesting landing spots for sure, but I think, I think we can, we can go uh, on and on and on about how, how, how good this wide receiver class was and, and really how good they're, they're going to be for dynasty owners 
moving forward. I'm, you know, we, we can get into it. We're going to go through our mock draft, and there's going to be guys I'm sure that I'll draft that you guys will raise an eyebrow to, guys that that probably won't crack your top 36. So I'll have my chance to talk about these wide receivers. Let's move on to the tight end position, Matt, because uh, only – 12 drafted first of all the Patriots took two in the two of the first four that were drafted so that's that's something to talk about I guess uh early in the second Cole commit to the Bears after that it kind of slowed down and then picked up in the middle rounds um as we've we've all said throughout this process Matt there there wasn't that elite tight end that guy that was going to jump off the board not that guy that's going to go in the first round or be a huge part of an offense if you are looking is there if there is there a tight end worthy of targeting if you if you want one of those guys maybe in round two or or maybe even deeper in round three of your dynasty rookie draft you know i i don't i don't think so (laughs) because why would i i feel like i could go grab you know a back-end starter for the price it's going to cost me maybe a little bit more uh, than the price is going to acquire one of these guys we're always chasing the 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 saints tight end you know but breeze is going to move on so we don't know if and troutman you don't know if he's really gonna you know necessarily work out soon he's gonna be behind you know cook for another year presumably and uh and then then Breeze will be gone. So are we going to care about him anymore at that point? Maybe we will. Uh, you know, Albert O, who I was really intrigued with, goes and he's going to sit behind Noah Fant. So Cole Komet, you know, I guess is interesting, but he joins that stable of Chicago tight ends that never seems to really do anything from Trey Burton is, is cut now, but Adam Shaheen and they signed Jimmy Graham. And, you know, I, I just don't see much production from him for a while. So none of these tight ends really do much for me. If I have a late third round pick, maybe if I have the 312, I won the league last year and it gets to that point. Uh, you know, maybe as a flyer at the back end, but I think we're probably looking at most of these guys as, as fourth rounders. I'm happy to let, you know, if somebody wants to blow a late second, early third rounder on any of these guys, I'm happy to let them do that. Yeah. It seems like I, I fall in the same, same mindset, Matt. There, I, I was excited about some of these guys. I, I, I thought maybe there was some upside with, with a few of them, but as they continued to last throughout the draft, first of all, and they, then they, then they landed in spots that weren't the most ideal. It, it was hard to get intrigued by them or at least stay as intrigued. Ryan, anything to add here? Any guy that you're you're taking a flyer on late in drafts? I, I certainly would. Um, in that back half of the third or, or the fourth round, Adam Troutman, I think, is obviously worth a pick in that range. Komet is, although I'm not sure if he's he's even going to last uh, that far. Aussie um, Aussie with New England, just based on their need and, and what they spent, I think is a guy worthy of a pick in that range. But overall, I'm with Matt. It's uh, the combination of the tight end class overall, some some poor landing spots for Alberto and for um, Harrison Bryant, and then just the again the depth of the other two positions that we've talked about. When it gets to that that third round, late third round, even the fourth round, I'm usually going to be opting for wide receivers or running backs instead. Yeah, that's the takeaway for me. It feels like. I'm going to take the running backs and the wide receivers. If it's a super flex, I might take a shot on some of these quarterbacks that are going to last and hang around in these drafts for a little while. Tight end is going to be the last concern for me. I hope it's not one of those years that you, you, you kind of planned on stocking up on a few of these guys late in a draft and hope you hit 
hope you hit big, hit that lottery ticket, because it seems unlikely, uh, although you never know, there, there might be the next George Kittle among this class, and, and none of us really know about it. We have a rookie mock draft to do, guys, but first we should talk about our guys over at DynastyOwner.com. Hey, do you think you're smarter than some of these NFL GMs that made it all these picks over the weekends? Guys like Brian Gutekunst with the Packers <laughs> who who picked guys like AJ Dillon in the second round of the NFL draft. Do you think you're smarter than than him? Maybe you think you're the best at fantasy football. Well, here's your chance to prove it, everybody. Dynasty Owner is the only patented fantasy sports game using actual NFL salaries and contracts. You manage your team from all levels, owner to general manager to coach. Dynasty Owner is for the smart, elite fantasy football player. There is no offseason in Dynasty Owner. The rookie draft matters, fantasy or free agency matters, and every other contract matters as well. Come do a startup draft in 2020 using actual NFL player contracts and salaries. Then improve your team each year with a three-round rookie draft. And by trading players and draft picks. Win weekly prizes, seasonal prizes, and compete in the chase for the ring. The mobile app is in development, and it's going to be ready to download on iOS and Android in time for rookie drafts right around the corner in May. Mock drafts are open now on desktop and mobile browsers. To learn more and mock draft for free, go to www.dynastyowner.com. So I, I teased it, guys. We're going to do this rookie mock draft. I, I put put it in the simulation. We tried to figure out the draft order. Matt, you drew the number one pick in our single quarterback PPR league. Everybody's got one of these leagues. One of, one of these single court, maybe you were in a league with your buddies from college and, and it's still only, no super flex. It's still single quarterback. I think most of our listeners have one of these leagues. It's PPR though. Matt, you got the number one pick. I think you teased it earlier. Let's uh, let's make it official. Who's number one for you? Yeah, this is easy for me. It's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with a bullet. I'm not, I'm not falling into the Jonathan Taylor trap. I think he's going to be fine too, but Hilaire is the one I want in PPR leagues. Yeah, I'm coming around on the Clyde Edwards Hilaire pick. I, you know, my if you go check out my rankings at at DLF over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, I do the rookie rankings. Ryan, I know you do too. I still have Jonathan Taylor number one. Although at the beginning of the weekend, or, or about Saturday night, once all the picks were flying in round two and round three, he he. It, it became closer and closer. Uh, I know you have Clyde Edwards Hilaire one as well, Ryan. First of all, what do you think of that pick, and and who are you going to take number two? I do have Clyde Edwards Hilaire number one, so I I like that pick for Matt. Uh, that's that's the pick I would have made. He is also we've got we've got some early ADP from um, some rookie mock drafts that will be on the sites uh, very soon, and it, it's no surprise that that those two Edwards Hilaire and Taylor are in in a tight race for that number one spot uh, but it is Edwards Hilaire at the top just barely um, I think we we ran 10 rookie mock drafts and those guys were either one or two in every single one except for one draft uh, so I will take Jonathan Taylor I do think it's it's an argument um, between the two I think I think if you're sitting at the second pick or, I mean, let's be honest, really, if you if you have any first-round pick, you're probably going to be pretty happy this year. But I, I do see the, that top tier right now is really a two-man race. 
uh, and Taylor in Indianapolis. You know, unlike Matt, I've never, uh, never been super confident in Marlon Mack. I uh, just felt like they were always looking uh, for, for other options there, and, and now they have certainly found it in Jonathan Taylor. Ryan, I got to give you credit because, like I said earlier, we were virtually watching this this draft together. And on Thursday night, you said to me, "Well, let's let's flow our roll. Wait a minute. What if you know Clyde Edwards-Helaire? Yeah, he went to the Chiefs, first round draft capital. But what if Jonathan Taylor goes to the Colts?" early in the second round. And what do you know? It happened uh, 24 hours later. That had happened. We, y- you landed on CEH as that number one pick. I still slightly lean towards my guy, Jonathan Taylor, but certainly you can't go wrong either way. I, I get the argument for either. And having the running back in the Chiefs offense and a guy who can catch passes, man, that sounds pretty good. So, Matt, nice pick there. Jonathan Taylor is the right pick at two. I'm going to take J.K. Dobbins. At number three, he lands in Baltimore. He hung on in the draft uh, late into the second round, really. And, and Baltimore, the 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 quotes are out there that we didn't expect him to be around. I can't believe he was there. We had to take him. We They obviously had a higher grade on him. Yeah, he's going to have to wait around. Ingram's there. there. There's a slew of running backs. Really, it hurts some of the guys that, that we've been waiting on. But J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore, power scheme, got a team that that wants to run the football. That seems like a dream scenario for JK Dobbins and for dynasty owners. Although we may have to wait uh, at least through part of the 2020 season and, and maybe even till the 2021 season to see what JK Dobbins can do as a, as a running back one, the guy that you can slot into your starting lineup week in week out. I'll take him third overall. Yeah. I, I love that pick. Uh, he, I think he's interchangeable with me with the fourth guy that I'm going to take and that's Cam Akers, but Dobbins, I mean, to me, it spells, it, it means justice Hill is basically maybe not dead, but he's not going to be someone you're going to put it, click on, cl- click on that box starter box on very often this season. I don't think, um, but, uh, Akers, I think he's most people's five, but he's my, my, th- probably my three. I think again, interchangeable with Dobbins, maybe three and four, but I think Akers is going to get opportunity right away. We were both excited. All, all of us were excited about justice Hill and Daryl Henderson for this year, but I think Akers does kind of does to Daryl Henderson, what Dobbins does to, to Hill, you know, Henderson, this big play guy, the space player, but I think Akers can do that and he can run between the tackles. So I think he is going to be, you know, maybe not girly at his peak, but I think he's going to play that girly role for this offense that they want to get back to running the ball. And, you know, evidence of that, we, we saw at the end of last year when they started running 12 personnel more with those two tight ends out there. So I think Akers is going to be pretty great for Sean McVay and the Rams in 2020 and beyond. I should have gone back and looked, Matt, because a few weeks ago we did a mock draft based on a seven-round mock. I can't remember which writer put out that mock. I, sh- I sh- really should have looked so I could give him credit, but he called it. Cam Akers to the Rams, and, and you were excited that day, and you, you picked Cam Akers high, and now that all has happened over the last couple of days. You're still excited about it. So hat tip to you as well. Ryan, you're up at the 105. This becomes a pretty easy pick uh, at five in this scenario. I'd uh, I like the landing spot for Acres, but uh, do have some some concerns about really about that offensive line. It's funny that that's that's been the scenario and, and the the narrative for Acres all along is yeah he's great he's a great talent but what about that Florida State offensive line and and now it's the same thing with the Rams who have a, a, a very poor offensive line and 
really did nothing to address that this past weekend. That was uh, that was disappointing. Do still like Acres and and would certainly consider him at five uh, or f- you know five to seven. But at the f- fifth pick in this mock draft, I'll take DeAndre Swift, who I think is the uh, the new starting running back in Detroit. I was I was definitely worried even before this about carry on Johnson and, and his, uh, his long-term value and, uh, and, and the addition of Swift pretty much kills that. I think, uh, at best he's, he's one B in, in the committee and, and maybe just a straight backup. Uh, so Swift at, uh, at five. Yeah, pretty easy pick, I think. It feels to me, especially in a single quarterback setup, you're probably going to get the five running backs. I think you guys would probably agree, obviously, by the way you chose. Um, We might see a sprinkle in of these wide receivers, especially depending on settings. Maybe there's something in your league that where you only have to start one running back and and you have to start three wide receivers or something like that. Maybe, Maybe you have some other kind of setting, big PPR scoring for wide receivers and not quite as much for the running backs. Something like that might sprinkle in or or simply in big need at the wide receiver position because there's a really good one, a guy that we've all been excited about for for months, really. And I have to say he landed in a prime location. We didn't expect Dallas to take a wide receiver, especially in the first round. Some may look at it and say, wait a minute, Amari Cooper's there, Michael Gallup's there. There's plenty of targets, plenty of weapons when you include the running back with Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, as well, how how CD Lamb going to get a lot enough balls to to really be worth taking uh, taking with a high pick in a rookie draft? But man, with with all that coverage going going those other weapons ways and all all the eyes looking at 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 other weapons in that offense, CD Lamb's going to fly under the radar, and that might have not have happened in any other landing spot. Him slipping in the draft, him landing in Dallas. It might be just the right thing. Uh, Ryan, you and I were talking before the show about how there could be a team out there, a dynasty owner out there that that just barely missed the playoffs or maybe that just, just barely made the playoffs but ended up with the sixth or seventh pick and they're kind of on the cusp and they're going to get a guy like CeeDee Lamb, a guy like DeAndre Swift or one of these other guys that you're about to pick. Man, these guys are so good. And to get them as a fringe playoff team, your team just got way better. I'll take C.D. Lamb at the 106. Matt, you're up with the seven. Yeah, I, I really love the Lamb pick, too. I mean, Dallas is so fun. If I wasn't a Packers fan, I would kind of want to be a Cowboys fan at this point because that offense just looks so fun. Uh, and, and, you know, we got that 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 note about Jerry Jones, like kind of drafting alone. I don't know if that was actually true or not, but part of me wants to think that he was in that draft room by himself and was kind of giving the finger to the, the Eagles a few picks later. Uh, but I will take the player that the Eagles selected Jalen Rager. Like I said, he vaults, he's vaulted up to my wide receiver one, mostly based on the combination of situation and talent and quarterback that he is going to have for a very long time there and the lack of playmakers at receiver. Uh, so I'll take him at one. Are you talking about Jalen hurts as his quarterback? <laughs> i am not you got jokes I, all right I am not. um yeah lo- love the rager pick for sure he's he's still my wide receiver three or i should actually say he moved up to my wide receiver three as a result of this i still have lamb and jerry judy ahead of him i'll take judy here it, it's funny that throughout this entire pre-draft process lamb and judy have been so closely compared they have similar similar games similar um builds even when you when you look at them and now i think they're kind of in similar spots where you you look at 
you look at uh, Lamb and Dallas, Judy and Denver, and maybe you think that they're capped as as a wide receiver too for their own team with Amari Cooper there with Cortland Sutton in Denver. And, and honestly, that's just not even a concern for me with the wide receiver position in general. I rarely worry about um, a landing spot or situation. I'm just banking on talent and lamb and Judy certainly have that. These are a couple of guys who in a typical year would be in contention for the one Oh one overall draft spot. And now you're getting, you're getting them in, in the six uh, at six or seven or eight. It's, it's really just a testament to this class as a whole. And uh, if you have a lot of draft picks this year, especially multiple first rounders, you've, you've hit the lottery. Yeah. It feels like to me guys that these eight picks in a single quarterback league are going to be the top eight picks in nearly every single dynasty rookie draft that happens throughout the summer and maybe even into the fall, depending on what happens with the NFL season. Uh, it gets a little bit more shaky after that. A little, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you don't feel bad about the picks. There's still guys we're excited about, but you could see a lot of different players going between nine and about fifteen. It, it there, there's similarities between this entire group. There's there's a whole tier of running backs, uh, another tier of wide receivers as well. I'm going to stick to what I've been pretty much preaching over the last month or two I'm, I'm going with Henry Ruggs he's he landed he's the first wide receiver off the board he landed with a team that has a desperate need for wide receivers even though they they added a couple more throughout the next couple of days uh, but that draft capital that speed their need for a guy just like Henry Ruggs the fact that he's going to be the wide receiver one the second he walks into that building in Las Vegas. I'm excited about Henry Ruggs and his upside. And to get a guy like that at nine, maybe even to get a guy looking at DLF's rankings. And, and if you're a subscriber, go to head over there and see where Ruggs is ranked. Cause he falls all the way between nine and, and, and about 12 or 13, 14. Uh, you might be able to get a guy like that in the second round. These guys that you're about to draft as well, fellas, there, there's going to be drafts where they, they slip a little farther, man, this is a deep draft. When you can get guys like this, Per your point there, Ryan, when you can get a guy like Jerry Judy at eight, he should be the 101 in some classes. Uh, Henry Ruggs at 109, he should be right up there as well. I'm excited about Henry Ruggs and his upside with the Raiders. I thought I was going to get an opportunity to draft my first rug share ever in this mock draft, <laughs> but but you pulled the, the rug out, the rugs out from under me there, Dan. <laughs> ah, nice hat tip. Well done. Uh, but no, I'll take uh, Justin Jefferson here. Lands in Minnesota. Uh, we know the deal there. St- uh, uh, Stephon Diggs is gone. Adam Thielen's still there. Not much really behind uh, Adam Thielen. Now they have Justin Jefferson there to play the big slot role. I think he's going to catch a ton of balls there easily. I think easily 100 targets in his first season if he stays healthy. Uh, so he. He seems like a screaming value at 110 here. Uh, and like you said, like all the way down to 10, 11, 12, you feel good about all of these players, really. So still still going with the, with the, with the deep class here in the first round. Ryan, that puts you on the clock at the 11th pick. In the yeah, first round. I think 11 is a little bit tough for me, at least, because this is really where I see a teardrop after that 10th pick. Uh, Dan, you maybe mentioned that after nine. I think Jefferson is included in that. Uh, I guess it wouldn't be top tier, but it would be the second tier with uh, with Ruggs and, and Rager as well. So a little bit of a gap for me from 10 to 11. 
there's a player in our early ADP that is actually ahead of these couple wide couple of wide receivers. I'm not going to take him. I'll see if you guys grab him soon. I'm going to stick with the wide receiver position uh, and take T. Higgins here. He was the first pick on the second day of the draft. Pairs with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati and uh, definitely a crowded depth chart there. Might be kind of a redshirt year potentially for him in 2020 with with A.J. Green back, with Tyler Boyd there, both Alden Tate and and John Ross uh, showed some flashes at times last year. So T. Higgins might enter, you know, potentially as even the fourth or fifth target. But I think I think his future is certainly bright in that offense. Yeah, good pick there. I would have taken him at 11. And I'm going to avoid that guy in that ADP that you just mentioned as well. Go back to the wide receiver position. The 12th pick is going to be Michael Pittman of the Colts. Uh, nice landing spot, as you mentioned earlier, Ryan, moving up draft boards, uh, not only for the NFL draft, as we saw over the last handful of days, but also for dynasty owners. Lots of good news. Uh, the measurables all check out, and then the landing spot is pretty good as well. The Colts need another receiver, needed a guy on the outside, on the perimeter, and Pittman fills that need. He should be an immediate starter for them and a guy that dynasty owners should be excited about, especially guys... Uh, maybe you won your league and you got the 112. You get a guy like Michael Pittman or one of these next guys coming off the board. You're going to feel pretty good about it. Matt, you're up to lead off round two. We're going to try to fly through this round. We're kind of running out of time. Let's let's get our picks in, fellas. Yeah, I, I'm not sure who Ryan is alluding to unless it's a certain running back that I'm not going to take. I'm going to keep going at wide receiver as well. Denzel Mims, not my favorite landing spot with the Jets, but one of my favorite wide receivers in this class with his aggressiveness at the catch point and his ability uh, to high point the ball. So love the player. And like Ryan said, we're trying to you know stay with the, the talent at wide receiver and not get too bogged down in the landing spot there. So I like Mims here at the 201. That puts you on the clock at the second pick, Ryan. Yeah, at 202, I'm just going to keep hammering those wide receivers. I'll take LaVisca Chenault, uh, potential to be the Jaguars uh, wide receiver one or at least uh, wide receiver two paired with DJ Chark and, and really just hoping that they fix their entire offense uh, or their entire team. Definitely some concerns um, with with their overall management right now. Not normally a team I would want to invest in, but uh, Chenault's an exciting player and, and one that probably shouldn't be available. They gave a running back 90 targets last year, right? Or 90 receptions last year, right, Ryan? So it should be the same for Chenault. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> I think we all do as <laughs> dynasty owners. I was going to flip to the running back position because I thought you were going to take my 14th ranked player, Ryan, you let him slide, so I'm going to take the other first-round wide receiver. That's Brandon Ayuk, who lands with San Francisco. They have a need. He has the talent. It might take a minute for him to produce for dynasty owners, but I'm taking the first-round wide receiver over the, over the mid-round running back every single time, especially in the uh, second round. Matt, you're up at the 204. Yeah, I'm in a bit of a spot here. I think there is definitely another. I think Brian, uh, Ryan mentioned a drop after 10 a little bit. I think there might be another one right here because I don't want to take that running back, but I'm, I'm going I'm to keep going at wide receiver. I'm going to take the other uh, highly drafted receiver that the Raiders took and Brian Edwards here at 204. Okay, so Edwards goes with this pick. Ryan, you're up at the 205. 
I'm, I'm going to end the slide here. I'm going to take Keyshawn, Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, in case you hadn't figured it out yet. That's who we've been avoiding. Uh, I mean, we, we know the story with Vaughn. He was a, what, guys, a third-rounder, I guess, to the Buccaneers. Great landing spot. Um, and, and that's what's exciting. That's the main thing that is exciting. I saw Matthew Friedman tweet this. Uh, over the weekend, Matthew Friedman from the Action Network said, this is a reminder, don't take 23-year-old third-round <laughs> running backs over 21-year-old first-round wide receivers. And I agree with that. I would not take Keyshawn Vaughn in the first round. He does have a first-round ADP. He's, the, uh, I believe, either the ninth or the tenth player off the board. So he's, he's looking like a late first-rounder. I'm taking those wide, receiver, wide receivers ahead of him at that point. But... Uh, this far down, middle, uh, basically the middle of the second round, uh, hoping for that, that short-term production and a big value boost. This is where we saw guys like Devin Singletary being drafted last year, and he gained some quick value, and, and hopefully you flipped him because he lost some of that value this week. Yeah, he did, and I'm going to take the guy that, that he lost it to. It's Zach Moss, the running back that landed with the Bills. I saw the tweet from the Buffalo Bills fellas. It, it, it had – it had old tweets from Zach Moss, and it said, man, I wish I could play in the snow, and then showed all those shady highlights of him running through the snow and said, man, I could, I'd kill for, for some wings. And, of course, Buffalo and its wings. So so welcome to Buffalo, Zach Moss. Uh, not a guy I was super excited about, but fits in real nice with the Buffalo Bills and fits in really nice in the middle of the second round in a dynasty league. I'll take Moss here to keep the running back run going. Yeah, I think I actually prefer Moss to Vaughn a little bit just from their landing spot. Like I just I mean nobody's excited about Ronald Jones, but are we do we do we really think that Vaughn is he, is that much better than Ronald Jones? I just I don't know. I think that that feels like a mess there. So I I I like the Moss pick better there, Dan. Uh I'm going to I'm going to keep going a wide receiver and I'm at 207 uh, maybe a little bit early, but my favorite one on the board right now is uh Devin Duvernay, Baltimore. Like I talked about that earlier, just an open spot there, no clear wide receiver one. Maybe there won't be, I don't know, but De- De- Devin Duvernay definitely can do it on the outside there for Baltimore. Okay, Ryan, you're up at 208. Yep, I'll take Antonio Gibson here, Redskins uh, pick. Got some surprising draft capital early in the third round. Um, and it, it, we're, we're, we're still a little confused. I, the Redskins announced him as a running back. Uh, he's listed on most fantasy sites as a wide receiver. I don't know what his exact position will be, but I'm excited to see how the Redskins use him. They have a, a certainly a hole at wide receiver behind Terry McLaurin. They have a hole at running back because uh, because Darius Geis can't stay healthy. So I, I can't wait to see what Gibson can do. That puts me on the clock at the 209. We're going to keep these uh, running backs going. I guess Matt broke it up with the Duvernay pick. I'm going to take Darrington Evans, a guy I've been excited about ever since the Combine, really, and, and maybe the weeks leading up to the Combine when I started to, to see his name pop up and watch those highlights. Um, maybe not the greatest... Uh, landing spot fellas landing with the Tennessee Titans but change of pace guy guy that can catch the ball move around the formation and and is exciting big play waiting to happen so Evans at 209 feels like a nice landing spot right about where he should go Matt you're up at 210 at 210 I will take that Pittsburgh receiver slash tight end Chase Claypool nice pick there Ryan you're up with your final pick of the second round I'm going to spare you guys the pain I'm going to take (laughs) 
take take the bullet here. Thought I'll take AJ Dillon, the Packers Packers running back. Uh, I, I, there's just some. I think I think this is a sign that they're not going to give Aaron Jones that big contract, which is probably a good move. Yeah, that's probably a good move for for their team and. You know, who knows how that's going to be for dynasty owners. It might be good for A.J. Dillon owners who get him at the 211, though uh, a year from now he could be the prime back, uh, running back in that backfield. I would have taken Dillon had you let him slide one more pick, Ryan. Instead, with the final pick of the second round, I'm going to take my guy K.J. Hamler, even though they they invested at the wide receiver position for sure, including a high pick with Jerry Judy. I'm excited about Hamler's upside and his explosiveness. We're going to move on to round three, guys. We are in overtime, kind of, so let's keep rolling through the picks. Matt, you can kick it off. Yeah, three players here that I would like to take. Uh, the, maybe I can get the rest of them later. So I'm going to go here. I'll go Lynn Bowden Jr., another Raider receiver, and you know, keep throwing some spaghetti at the wall and see, see which one sticks. Yeah, you you still may have stolen something from our guy Ryan. You know, he's a big <laughs> Kentucky fan. Go Wildcats, right, Ryan? You miss out on the uh, the wide receiver slash running back slash quarterback slash slash. Uh, who are you gonna go with at three oh two to to calm your nerves? <laughs> yeah, instead of that, instead of Bowden, I'll take uh, I'll take Joe Burrow. Um, oh really yeah, there's quarterbacks. Guys. I forgot this about will, quarterbacks. This this will surprise you as well. Joe Burrow in our early ADP is the, of course he's the quarterback one. He's the 12th player drafted overall. He's got a first round ADP. And I think that just comes with some uncertainty in that uh, second or, or maybe third tier of wide receivers. Uh, Higgins, Pittman, Mim, Chenault, those guys. Burrow's going ahead of those, all of those players. Oh, dynasty owners out there. Don't get sucked in. Yes. Burrow is the big name, but there is so much talent and we're, you know, we're trying to preach it, right, Matt? Right, Ryan? We're, we're talking about it right now. We're taking all these guys over these quarterbacks because even though Burrow could be that big-time quarterback in a single quarterback league, you can find those guys all over the place. And, and at the very least, you can pl- re- find that replacement-level guy. That that doesn't happen at the end of the first round, at the beginning of the second, end of the second in normal years. You should be taking these these high-end lottery tickets, really. And, and lottery tickets really isn't the word. There's so much talent and so many guys that are going to be contributors for dynasty owners. They're harder to find at these other positions. Let's, let's keep using it on these running backs and wide receivers. Save the quarterbacks and tight ends for later. With that all said, I'm up at 303. I'll take Tua. Uh, <laughs> he's the next guy on my list. I... I I have him at about 20 um, on, in my rankings in single quarterback. So to get him at the beginning of the third round feels pretty good. There, there is a spot for quarterbacks. It seems like if you're if you're inside the top 20 picks, there's probably a better player. However, so uh, Tua at excuse me, I had him at 24. I get him. I get him. I get us at 27 right here. Matt, you're up at the 304. Yeah, I think there's a case for those quarterbacks to be made. Case to be made. You know, once we get to like 207, 208 in that range, I think you, there's certainly an argument to be made. But getting him in the third, I would have taken Tua here at 304 if he was there. Instead, I will go back to running back, and I'm going to take DJ Dallas, Seattle. Obviously, Chris Carson, Rashad Penny are are there. You know, but I think DJ Dallas has has a, a, a chance to carve out a role there. Former wide receiver, so he tracks the ball well. Uh, as a receiver, obviously. So we like that for PPR leagues and for fantasy. So DJ Dallas seems pretty fun for me at 304. Nice pick there. A guy that was on my list for sure. Ryan, you're up at 305. Yeah, we're definitely into that next tier of running back guys who 
uh, are most likely backups but could see a role. I'm going to take one of those guys as well. I'll take Joshua Kelly with the Chargers. Uh, I like both. Of course, love Austin Eckler's game and, and expect him to be um, the main ball carrier there, the main running back they use. I like Justin Jackson as well. But Kelly has a little bit of a different game, a little bit of a bigger, more powerful running back, so I could see him uh, finding a role in uh, with the Chargers. I like that pick at the 305. I'm up at 306. I would have considered Kelly here. Instead, I'll pivot to another running back. I'll take Anthony McFarlane, a guy landed with the Steelers, one of those locations that we were kind of excited about. There's an opportunity. James Conner regularly injured, so McFarlane's going to get his chance for sure if he can run with it, no pun intended. He he could become the guy, you never know, even though he wasn't that highly touted guy and is a later round pick. Uh, there's going to be an opportunity, and to get that guy in the middle of the third round is a good one. Matt, how about you at 307? I'll keep it going with these these backup running backs. Uh, you know, Benjamin, not not a great Jack Graff capital out, all the way down in the seventh round, but, you know, Kenya Drake only really there for one year right now unless they decide to, to, to sign him long term. So there's certainly a role there for Benjamin. We've seen him be able to be, a, a, you know, a bell cow type back, a decent receiver out of the backfield, that kind of thing. So, you know, seventh round draft capital, not great, but there's an opportunity there, I think. Ryan, how about the 308? 3.08. I'm going to play it safe. Uh, I'll take Justin Herbert, the quarterback, uh, top top six pick overall in the draft, and definitely could be argued that he has the best situation, best landing spot of those top three quarterbacks, given the weapons with the Chargers. I'm up at the 309. I'll take Van Jefferson, a guy I'm excited about. N- not a guy that was necessarily super high in my dynasty rankings leading up to the draft, but Liked him, one of the better route runners in the group. Yeah, he's a little bit older and maybe a veteran wide receiver of this group that we're, we're drafting. Landon with the Rams, got the draft capital in the second round, of course. They have a need for that third guy. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Van Jefferson this year. Might have to wait till next year, but in that offense, they like to move it around, and he is a guy that likes to move around the formation. He can play all over. We've got to remember Cooper Cup. He's not signed long-term, not just yet. They might have a, dra- a spot in the slot for Van Jefferson come 2021. So Van Jefferson is a nice late third-round pick. Matt? Yeah, I'm going to go off the board a little bit and take some, a guy who went in the fifth round, Quintez Cephas, went to the Detroit Lions. Not much there behind Galladay and Marvin Jones, so I think he could certainly capitalize and be that third receiver as early as year one. Uh, definitely a threat in the end zone in year one, and you know, once Jones moves on, then it's possible he's going to be the number two to Galladay, I think. So Quintez Cephas at 310. At 311, I will take Tyler Johnson, uh, wide receiver, from the Bucks or landed with the Bucks, uh, just one of those high upside guys. Didn't quite, uh, didn't quite come together. Didn't even get that Senior Bowl invite. I know that that became a big deal, uh, but still see some upside certainly with that Buccaneers offense. I'm going to take Antonio Gandy Golden with the 12th pick in the third round. Uh, didn't get the draft capital that a lot of us were hoping for. We were all kind of hoping he landed in day two and landed with the Redskins. There's a need, though, there. Uh, he could carve out a role, and, and you know, late in the third round doesn't feel too bad to get Gandy Golden here. What do you say, guys? Let's do a fourth round really fast. Just give me the name, the position, and where they landed really fast, Matt. Who's the 401? <laughs> oh, I wasn't even planning for the fourth rounder, but I will go. <laughs> I'll go. 
pressure. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet. I'll bet go. Gabriel Davis, Buffalo. You know, we know John Brown. We know Stephon Diggs. We know no Cole Beasley, but uh, there's something to be said for Gabriel Davis there. Ryan, four hundred two. LaMichael P. Ryan, the Jets running. Yep, that's a good pick. He's who I would have taken. I'm going to finally crack the seal on the tight end position. I'll take Adam Troutman with the 403 with the Saints. You dirty dog. Uh, I will go there as well then. I will go with Devin Asiasi, New England tight end. Clearly a need there at that position and really any weapon in New England at this point. I'll follow your lead with Cole Komet, the first tight end drafted in the NFL draft. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to the quarterback position. How about Jordan Love? I'm going to wait on him for three <laughs> years while, while he plays behind Aaron Rodgers. Matt, who do you got at 407? At 407, I will take Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, size, speed, freak, not a great landing spot in Cleveland with all those weapons there, but you know maybe some upside. Ryan, 408. 408, Albert O, tight end, Broncos. Nice pick. Going to sit behind Noah Fain. I like that one. I'm going to take Quez Watkins, wide receiver for the Eagles, uh, with the 409. Matt, your final pick of this draft. At the 410, I have so so much Miles Sanders that uh, I don't even know what to do with it, so I might as well take his presumed handcuff in Michael Warren from Philadelphia. Okay, Ryan, you're up at 411. 4-11, I will take Darnell Mooney, the wide receiver from the Bears. They lost Taylor Gabriel, need a slot receiver. Might be Darnell Mooney. Might be Darnell Mooney. I got the final pick in this mock draft. I'm going to take my guy. He's been on my list for a while. John Hightower landed with the Eagles. He's the 48th pick in this mock draft. So we ran through a lot of names, guys. We talked about really all these rookies that really mattered, did a four-round mock. We're going to continue to talk about that as the weeks go on we're we're into overtime as i said before so for matt and ryan i'm dan thanks for listening to this dlf dynasty podcast we're gonna catch you again next week